Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. G-A-L-D-E-M G-A-L-D-E-M <laughs> This song is good. Hello and welcome to Galdem's first ever podcast. Inspired by our book, I Will Not Be Erased, our stories about growing up as people of colour. My name's Liv, I'm Galdem's founder. And for those of you who don't know, Galdem is an award-winning media company committed to platforming the voices, perspectives and creative work of women and non-binary people of colour. Hello, I'm Charlie. I'm the head of editorial at Galdem and I'll be co-hosting our podcast with Liv. We're super excited to be starting our journey with you. Each week we'll invite a guest to respond to old diary entries, letters or text messages from their younger selves. The point is to nurture important discussions about growing up. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to our podcast, Growing Up With Galdem. So before we get into it, we just wanted to let you know that this podcast has mentions of drugs and underage sex. We're so excited to have you here with us today on our show. We absolutely love you, adore you. Just for for those who are listening, we are in our, I think, third week of of the podcast in lockdown. So um, I hope that the sound quality has improved by now. And today we're joined by Travis Alabanza, our dear friend, theatre maker, performer, writer... Travis has written for us. We've worked with them on multiple occasions and their work has also been featured in the BBC, The Guardian, The Independent, Gay Times and just all the places. And and you'll probably know of Travis or, or be most familiar with Travis's work for their incredible play Burgers, which I think I was late to the party to see. But when I did, it was absolutely phenomenal. I think me and Charlie were sat next we to each together, other. We went together, didn't we? We went together, yeah. 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 
Um, so yeah, hi. Thanks for being here. Hi. I'm excited. I'm nervous because I don't really know what's going to go down, but I'm excited. We'll see where it yeah. goes. <laughs> Amazing. So we've, I guess we've kind of touched on this already, but how are you holding up, up during lockdown just before we get into it? Well, you know, I think I have about 20 million emotions per day, which is about 10 million emotions more than I had normally per day before lockdown. Um, but I'm okay, you know, hmm. we're in the midst, when we're recording this now, we're in the midst of such an important time for Black people. But I think I didn't realise how much social big social change like actual change like tearing down of things not just statues but systems and structures would come with so much resurgence of pain I guess when you imagine change you imagine all the positives after you imagine your people like coming together and, da, 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 and we're doing that but I think I'm sitting and realizing with how much when change comes we as the community of people that have been oppressed by that pain have to then relive it so I'm kind of in that at the moment but I am forever impressed and forever energised by the way, again, we show up and show out for each other, you know. Mm-hmm. How yeah. are you both doing? Yeah, up and down. <laughs> I feel like we've been texting each other like fairly constantly. But yeah, it's it's like very much an up and down process. And I, I feel like, you know, when, when you joined and you said, you know, I'm angry. I know it was for, for, for slightly different reasons, but there's, you know, a fluctuation between feelings of real anger and kind of joy because we have to mm-hmm. find some sort of joy and then and then a sense of you know feeling like now is the time to organize and to galvanize and we can't stop so it's but it's heavy it's heavy it's and heavy. it feels like an anger that you thought you figured out how to deal with that's what I'm finding I'm like oh I thought I did this anger when I first started getting angry about these things and you're like oh no okay this anger's still here it's still there but a tip for the anger, I live with uh, another black gender non-conforming person, my girl, Eben. We decided to clean the whole house and we saw that a rug was a bit dusty. I never knew that beating a rug outside on your street could do so. I, we were whacking it. And I was like, I think the rug isn't dusty anymore. And I was just like, <laughs> whacking at it. So that that helped, you know. <laughs> that's, a, that's a top tip. That's a top tip. Yeah. A real healthy outlet, that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> don't let don't let them make you dusty, you know, really, <laughs> truly. <laughs> With all of our guests, we look back on the first moment that we sort of met each other, how we came into contact. And I can't actually remember, which is awful. Charlie, can you remember? I remember the first time I worked with you, Travis, which was, I think, at Dazed. And we, like, worked on this piece for, like, a week and we had all this back and forth. And I really enjoyed the editing process. And then I think, I think the white editor sort of turned around and was like, no, this is not going live. And we had to like figure out where we could like publish it elsewhere. I think that was the first time. Do you, do you remember that? No. no. I mean, this, wait, this says something about how much I block out of the, those moments. <laughs> wait, what, what piece was this? Can we say? We can't say. I can't remember what the piece was. I but remember. I really enjoyed working on, with, on it with you. And I just remember being like really excited about it. But And then like... I I got it like into the CMS and we're about to publish. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Got it. Got the change. Got the swift. (laughs) Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. It felt like I'd been following your work for ages and I felt so guilty that I hadn't yet seen burgers. And then when Liv and I finally came to see it, my God, I was in, I was in floods. I was crying. It was brilliant. Crying. Crying. I'm cackling, of course. Mm. Of, Mm. Of course. Always the two. Always the two. 
But I was trying to, you know, I was trying to remember when I first met you all. I'm, I'm trying to think if I met you all before I was in Gaudem in person, but I like, all I remember is that as soon as Gaudem was kind of coming, you know, like I thought, uh, do you know what? Obviously we have different timelines, you know, Gaudem started a bit before my work, but I always used to see Gaudem increasing its like vast space whilst I was also on an increase into stuff. And I used to, I love sometimes, I, w- I will admit to this, if we're talking about archiving, I don't do it a lot, but I like clicking on Gaudem, this is so self-centered, and going Travis Balabanza on the tag, because you can see, it's so bad, but here we are. You can see my growth as a mm-hmm. artist quite nicely through Gaudem, mm-hmm. actually. And there's not actually many publications where you can do that and see actually my developing a full aesthetic, politic, grow between our work together, which I always think is really special. And I've only done it a couple of times, but it's really nice to like do, you know. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. that. That makes me really happy. So I think the next step is for you to read your extract for us, because um, obviously we ask all of our guests to do this. We're here to reflect on you growing up. And I know your extract is, a, is small, but I yes. think there is a lot that we can talk about from it. So I said, I said, um, wow, this is really, I'm just going to read out my email, Fred. I said, wow, this is really hard because there's so many things and I was such a scatty brain child with so many words everywhere. But I've gone to Facebook Messenger and I found that please don't tell anyone must have came up over 40 times as I scanned for this in younger years. And then I found this message in one of those conversations with an ex-fling at the time. It says, my mum is asleep, so I can meet you at the back of the garden. And I thought that that had me cracking up but then I realized there was something underneath this about two weeks later. And it says, hey, I'm wondering if actually you could not tell anyone what happened or how or what we are doing. I can tell people are talking about it. And to be honest, I'd rather leave it there if that's the case. But thanks, it's been fun. And then we don't ever speak again. Mm. Yeah. And so I just thought it was interesting, you know, I was like, where do I want to go? Where do I want to go with this? Because I wrote so many diaries and stuff like that. But I think with diaries, what I was finding is I'm already self-reflecting loads in the diaries that actually I haven't reflected on these texts because they were so in the moment and responsive, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, tell us about that that phrase first, maybe. Please don't tell anyone. Um, why was it coming up so much? What was the context of that? Well, it's funny because when I was looking at the phrase, it was coming up for so many different things. And I was like, that's why I was so surprised. It was, I thought, I, I assumed obviously it was going to first come up with like the fact that this is kind of when I was 14 and I just started or just, just turned 14. And so I just started first getting with men um, and figuring out that maybe I might be queer. And all of my experiences of that were very backstreet, you know, like, literally in alleyways, literally with like someone I worked with at the time in a cafe. And they were much older than me. Like all of them were in their, in their gayness. And I think that's important. They were definitely gay. They weren't queer. Now that I know and grown up and can see the kind of difference, they were gay men. And I was so like, I don't want anyone to know. But then I look at other things and it wasn't just about sex. It was like confessing to my friends that I was thinking about wearing a dress telling them not to tell my mum, all these different things. I was just thinking I was at a time where 14, I saw it was a real year where I was confessing things to people and then saying really quickly, but don't tell anyone. But actually clearly I was 
wanting to tell everyone. Can you tell us um, a little bit more about like, you know, what it was like for Travis growing up at that age and that stage and, and what kind of, I guess, young, young person you were, you are, because you're saying that you, you know, you were, you were kind of confessing and, and, and letting people know who you were, but also don't, don't share that with the rest of the world. But I mean, at 14 to have that awareness and, and some degree of language to be able to articulate who you are, I think, you know, that's, yeah, maybe an important thing to reflect on. Yeah. And I think about this a lot. I think, I think poverty ages people prematurely. I think growing up in poverty makes you have to be aware of things and yourself and your situation far quicker than other people. And that's why I always say that, yes, age is really real, but it's also a construct that's totally relatable because I, at 14, the reason I started having all, I I think about, I'm only kind of fleshing it out now, but at 14, I got my first job at 13 and I suddenly had enough money to look after myself not actually, you know, I was still a kid at home, but, you know, we grew up very, very poor. And when I first got my first job at 13 after school, it meant that I could buy my own stuff, go to the store, go get alcohol, go get cigarettes, have an independence because I wasn't relying on my mum who, you know, was doing the best she could, but also didn't have any money. And I felt like it's when I started building my own identity because before then I think there was a lot of me as a kid before then was a lot of just knowing that we were poor and that was really consuming as a child because I felt like I couldn't form loads of my questions about myself but I also was super aware of adult life because I was then working in an environment at 14 where 21 year olds 50 year olds 40 year olds are also working And so I think I was so ready for freedom because I assumed getting £3.95 an hour meant freedom. I was like, I am rich. And I remember getting like, you know, my first like £40 paycheck at the end of the week and being like, oh my God, this is adulthood. I'm ready to leave. I'm going to start saving money so I can get my own flat in two years. I remember writing down in my diary when I was looking for this quote, I wrote down like, you've started your first job in two years, you're going to buy a flat. I was on £3.95 an hour. (laughs) So in some ways I was clearly wise and thinking about myself. And in other ways, I thought that £3.95 could get me a flat. Um, And this was not pre-Bristol gentrification. So, you know, I should have known better. (laughs) But um, yeah, I think I was, I've always been, had a head on me that's been thinking loads. And I've always, we walked everywhere when I was a kid. We didn't, we didn't have a car. And it was just my mum and my brother and me. And my mum didn't have family in in the country because she just, you know, she's an immigrant from the States. And we would walk everywhere in Bristol. And you both know Bristol because Gaudem, you know, we would walk from fish ponds to the centre of town. We'd walk from the centre of town to the top of Clifton and back down, then back to fish ponds and up to Kingswood. Then up, we were just always walking. And so something about getting money and then being able to get the bus into town meant that I was free to do some whatever I wanted. And in this case, it was sin from God and become queer as hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, my my sort of quite different but relatable sort of experience of that in Edinburgh was, so similarly, as in, my parents had a bit of money, but we went through periods of time where they didn't have a lot of money. And I was certainly always the friend who was like, borrowing cash to get the bus and like mm. borrowing money for lunch with my friends like mm-hmm. it was just endless mm-hmm. 
And like, I remember when similarly, I I guess, when did we start getting EMA? Do you guys get EMA down here? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was the big moment for me where I was like, shit, I can literally do whatever I want. I've got 30 pounds a week. Yeah, 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 I'm just, I'm just killing it. Just before we sort of move on, I wanted to go back to this idea of, of confession that you touched upon and this, this like need to confess. Cause I kind of, I kind of feel like, I don't know about you, Travis, but like for me, writing a diary was almost a bit like that as well. Cause with my diary, it was online and, and other people would re- read it. Like it was anonymous, wow. but they'd respond and stuff to what I wrote. Um, and I often wrote things that I like definitely wanted to tell everyone, but also didn't feel like I could tell anyone or like, I don't know. It's like, it was just a, ver- a very weird time in that like teenage period of like not knowing I, oh, actually, here's a good example. So I remember <laughs> being with my with my friends, my like girlfriends, when we were about fifteen, and like we were doing one of those like truth or dare like um round the circle things, and like <laughs> I was like really desperate to have a conversation about like masturbation, and it was so taboo back then. Like, How old girls were you? Didn't masturbate like you, you just didn't. I think it would have been about fourteen or fifteen, yeah. and so like my like. My, it wasn't truth or dare it was, it was like where we, we had to go around the circle and all like respond to the question or something anyway my or like I can't remember what it was. or maybe it was truth or dare and you had to like drink if you had or hadn't done it anyway I was like so who here has masturbated and like no one drank and I was like oh no and like and they like looked at me and they were like Charlie you you've you've done that like and I was like no 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 um yeah so it just it was, I had that desperate need suddenly to you to like tell everyone. I wanted everyone to know there was this thing burning inside me that I wanted to talk about, but also, yeah, d- drew back at the last moment. Because um, so. I, I feel like I love that. And I feel like it's that threshold of like, I don't know, when you're a teenager, like, that's why I love this. I haven't thought about being 14, you know? And like, that's the age where like, when you do something for yourself, it's like a huge moment. Like, whether that's, like, you just decided to wank for the first time or you've decided to wear a dress or you've decided to, like, kiss a boy. Like, it feels like your whole shift has happened. And then you're like, and now I want to tell everyone. But, of course, then what happens, like, with masturbation, like, with queerness, like, with transgressing gender, you go to tell everyone and then you remember shame. And I think about the difference about when we tell people things when we're eight to when we're 14 and what changed was shame. Because... It wasn't the first time I tried on a dress at 14. You know, I'd been wearing heels in my house from three, four, five, six. And I would tell my mum and come downstairs. But then something happens between eight to teenage where we develop shame. And it was so interesting. I'm like, okay, what happens when you go to confess? And actually it's, what's the opposite? Confess feels inwards, right? Like I keep on going for the people that can't see. I'm going in on my body. But then there's like, actually when we're young, I feel like we, I don't know if this is a word. You're probably, your editors. So you'll be able to know, profess, like, and outwards, you know, like, uh, confession suddenly feels inwards, but actually when you were younger, it used to feel outwards. Like, mum, look, I'm wearing a red dress. Mum, mum, mum. And then you're 14 and it's, oh my God, I can't believe I'm telling you this, but I'm wearing a dress. Don't tell anyone. And I'm interested in that when it was coming up. Like, what happens between those ages where we develop shame, you know? Mm-mm. I feel like for my extract in the book, it's kind of based around my sexuality and, 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 there are definitely these kind of themes and parallels to be to be drawn out and that kind of period of like really 
kind of getting to know who you are in a sense. But yes, the kind of shame and the fear and all of the judgment and things which, you know, other people then place upon you that, like you say, maybe you don't have that feeling or that that shame or that understanding of it in a sense when you're eight for example but you do when you're when when you're when you're 14 so I completely relate and for me anyway it it then kind of felt like you know up until I was really 23 probably in 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 real adulthood it was this this kind of process of like this like push and pull kind of thing that was happening and so I'm I'm kind of interested in for you like what what did that journey of like expressing or professing and 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 negotiating that space look like up until you know the kind of Travis that we know and we love today? Because that must have been a journey. Definitely, right? you know, I didn't um I didn't kiss a boy and then suddenly decide that uh, queerness was right. You know, you don't just that doesn't happen. Unfortunately, maybe it does for some people, but it didn't. It didn't for me. I think. What really changed, and this is what I think about all the time, is that if I stayed in my neighbourhood, basically what happened is I got with this, I'm thinking of a specific boy with this text, right? And I remember that after this moment where I stopped getting with this guy, I did not think to do it for another year. I was like, absolutely not. Even though I knew it felt good, I was like, this is dangerous. This is leading to bad things. This is going to make me end up I was thinking dead, I was so weird. You know, I was like, I'm gonna end up dead if I do this or on drugs or all this stuff. I mean, the drugs came whether or not I was gonna be straight or queer. Sorry, mum, if you're listening. I waited a year and then what it was is again, it was really having access to other things. I've looked like this, as in like my face, the stubble that grows through if it didn't now, like since I was 14, I haven't really grown in height or my face, if anything, I, if anything, some people say when they see photos of me at 15, I look older. And so when I was 14, 15, I could start getting into clubs and spaces and I wasn't really ID'd and things started being a bit more older and I would start going to people in the centre of town. And I remember my friend, I'm trying to keep out names, it's hard because I'm just like, maybe they don't want to be said, but my friend Polly, who was also looked a lot older than her age and was cool with the people in the two years above. And we started going to the parties of the kids in the two years above. And that's when I think I first met queer people. But I don't think they were saying they were queer. They weren't calling themselves queer, but it was queer what was going on. And I remember being like, oh my God, people are like sexual. People are in their sexual element and they're enjoying it and they're laughing and hold on, someone just walked in on someone making out and no one's being punished. They're all cheering. And I was like, oh. And then, girl, I was hooked. I was like, like, damn, well, sign me up. Uh, I say it often, maybe my sex life peaked at 16, but I really do think, (laughs) you know, I I was just ready. And I, and I, and you know, looking back, I'm like, damn, yeah, maybe I did experience a lot of things younger. And if you timed it out, should I have had done this all younger? Should I have been doing this? But then I'm like, well, when I moved to London and I saw how these posh white boys in my university halls were dealing with first having freedom. And I was like, oh no, I don't need to do all that. I, 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 I've done that. Like I was like, I don't need to black out drunk in the halls. Like, no, like I did that when I could go back home, you know? Um, of course I told my mum that I was out at various friends' house doing various wholesome activities. 
sleepovers and you're really at, you're really at the club and you're 15 and like you know doing things that you shouldn't be doing sleepover i was getting lit <laughs> OM, omg bristol i went to omg i went i first went to omg the club at 15 i was doing awful things at 15 on yeah like awful things but like you say it was in a way i'm kind of grateful to, to have had some of those experiences earlier um because similarly to you, when you, when when I got to that point and everyone was kind of feeling the you know the, their first sense of freedom or ex, or experimenting and just being absolutely wild, I was kind of content. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I I agree as well. Like as in, I I've never been like a huge drug taker, but um, my friends I've always associated with them. So, um, but yeah, so like we went out a lot when we were. 14 15 16 and like um yeah I just I, I met similarly to you Travis I met people in uni who just didn't know how to handle themselves and like I feel very grateful even now I still meet people who are like that now and I'm like you should yeah I've I've, I've been through been there done that I don't need to see that anymore exactly. and you're still misbehaving <laughs> yeah although I was gonna say yeah but then people might be listening to this that have seen me at an event or two and I want to say you know, we all have our reversions back to our childhood. Um, oh. But uh, I'm thinking particularly <laughs> Gay Times Honours, Liv was there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I also think it's so important when you have your first... People always talk about coming out, right? And it's so... I don't want people to turn this reflection into a coming out story. It's not that. Because I don't believe in, in coming out as a definitive moment. You know, I've said that before. But I do think that there's a moment that's more important than coming out for me personally, whereas when you learn that shame doesn't have to be part of the picture, when you see an example of shame not being involved in someone's sexual interaction or in someone's dressing or in someone's presentation. And for me, that was my coming out moment. It wasn't telling people, I wasn't telling people that I was queer. It wasn't telling people that I, it was when I saw people not have shame for something that I thought could only have shame around. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
Alright, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. That's when I was like, oh, okay, I need to quicken this up. I need to get over what's out of this door because there's all these people having fun and they are excited when I'm dressed up and they're excited when I'm making out with this person and then with this person. There's none of the shame so so quick, you know? And then, then it was kind of like, okay, I couldn't get enough. I was hooked. And so from like 15 to 18 in Bristol, I'd be going out, meeting as many people as I can, but also going home and researching everything I could about queer culture, everything about queer nightlife, everything. I was like, OMG feels like it can't be it. You know, and it's interesting, we're talking about this in a moment in time where we're, as people of color, but specifically black people, we're being forced to reflect on our experiences of racism. G-A-Y, it wasn't the first time I experienced racism, but going to that club was when I was confronted really harshly with racism, as many people are in the queer scene at a gay club. And so I was like, well, I need to find something else. And so I became research, you know, I just researched everything, nightclubs, histories of parties, queer nights, the Royal Vauxhall Tavern, all these people. And I was like, oh, these people are freaks. I'm a freak. Like, I love that. And it seems like it was, I think it was 16. I, I, I didn't get the exact diary entry. I was, I was looking for this specific diary entry, but I couldn't find it. But I know somewhere when I was 16, I wrote down, I think being a freak might be more fun. And that was a real moment when I was like, I don't think the men in suits, the people that are telling me this, I think they're missing out on something. And maybe going this other route and being true to yourself will lead to more fun, more experience, more this, you know? Mm. I'm interested then, like, to build on on that. On I mean, there are so many things I feel like you've touched on which are super important to unpack and reflect on. And I think, you know, so often people are obsessed with this moment and the big coming out tale. And if you don't have that, you know, you're not you're not queer or I don't know. But but one but but um one thing that I am interested in kind of touching on, you know, racism and like nightlife and safe spaces and what that means and what that looks like. And also, you know, for you as someone who 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 does the research, who wants to know the history of how these spaces and places and things have um have come about, and and I don't know if you'll well you will remember, but in the in the documentary that we worked with you on for Levi's, you know that was kind of the that was the point of the the show. It was really to look back on our history and how how we can archive. And I'm just interested to hear you reflect a little bit on some of the spaces that you that you did find and some of the places that you have found a sense of community um, and where you could fly your freak flag without like judgment, you know? Such a good question. Well, definitely not OMG. I'm waiting for reparations in so many kinds that they're gonna give for that. Although I will thank them because they did teach me what my limit was with Jaeger bombs very early because of their Wednesday nights. I would say the first place that sticks out to me is, I don't know if you're familiar with Mia McKenzie who set up Black Girl Dangerous. It was a kind of, two, I don't want to miss through the year, but like, I think really ahead of the curve, I'm just going to say it, before there was a lot more people publicly talking about safe media spaces for queer and trans people of colour, Mia McKenzie, a stateside person, set up something called Black Girl Dangerous, which was a 
first and just a media site for lots of different black writing, mainly black, queer and trans people. Really, I think ahead of the curve. It doesn't exist anymore. It's archived. And me and Mackenzie set up a summer camp called Get Free. And it was me and Mackenzie and the Black Girl Changers team. And it was a pilot kind of summer camp where they wanted to invite queer and trans youth of colour. This was like, what, 2000 and I want to say 10, 11? So really think about where we're at now and really before that was as public as it was. And it was in Oakland, California. And I remember I was obsessed because of researching and being young and I was 17. I saw it, but how the hell am I going to get to Oakland, California? And so I e- I emailed Mia McKenzie. I emailed Mia McKenzie being like, hi Mia, I'm kind of obsessed with Black Girl Dangerous. I've seen this summer camp. I'm just realizing that yes, I'm LGBT, but I'm also really realizing that there's racism there. Can I come to your summer camp? How am I gonna get there? And Mia was like, you're gonna fundraise. I'm gonna teach you how to fundraise. So I fundraised at 17, a GoFundMe account to get me to Oakland, California for a summer. And I was 17, I got there and I met queer people of color for the first time. And it wasn't rainbow. I want to make that really clear. It wasn't rainbow. It was actually really hard. I got there and I was wrong. I didn't know what pronouns were. I was making mistakes. I could see I was being harmful in some stuff I was thinking and saying. But I started meeting people that could were weird (laughs) and were complicated and were odd. And I think that was the first space. It was so hard. It was the hardest four weeks ever. The program was so hard. It pushed us. And it in turn, maybe I was really too young, but also maybe I was ready. Maybe that's when you know. But, you know, I was meeting people that were like, hello. I remember we did a pronoun circle. I had no idea what a pronoun circle was. I was 17. And um, I knew I was dressing up and wearing femme clothes, but I didn't know what it meant. And someone in the circle was like, hi, I use them, they pronouns, or it is, or he, he, him, or she, her. It doesn't really matter. Gender's a construct. And I was like, what? And it was just cool. And I stayed out there for a bit because I, you know, fell in love, I think, a bit at the programme too with someone. And it was all a bit like wild for me, but I was being a freak and I dressed up. And yeah, that is my first space. And I was so fortunate to have that space and to have, I think it was important that it wasn't in the UK. I felt like I was already building this weird, heavy relationship with the UK where it was like, I only associate you with making me quieter, making me more subtle, making me more polite. Every time I show my freak flag here, you will try and quiet me down. And I had to go away and I look at my career now and actually, obviously the career we see is someone that's unapologetic, is being loud, is da 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 da. And I think I needed that moment to be like, oh, okay, the UK is what's up, it's not me. And that's what no, I think is important when we're going on. up. As queer trans, <laughs> sorry, I'm going on, I really, can you tell I haven't love you it? Can t- no. You can tell I haven't done a podcast in a while because I'm like, but we can edit me down. But you know, I think that unfortunately there's another binary in a moment where we decide that that the problem is not us, it's them. That we don't need to change, it is them. And I think the earlier you have that moment, unfortunately, it means the sooner you can be, you know, because you realize oh, it's the UK that's got this twisted. We ain't the issue. We're the gift, you know? We, we got this right. 
And it was, I'm so glad I had that moment so young, because I think it does explain why my career is here, because I was able to get rid of that, you know? That is such a powerful experience, such a gift to have that at the age of 17. I mean, yeah, wow. Yeah. Lucky you. <laughs> really, and you know, and that's why I see these campaigns like Exist Loudly with Tanya Compass and Colours Youth Festival and Rainbow Noir. And I'm like, this is where it's at. Because yes, we need to support adults, da, 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 but the sooner we can have those moments, the sooner then people can actually, because it shouldn't be a privilege. But when I speak about it, and I avoided using the word privilege, but I wanted to, I was like, this feels like a privilege that I went there. But it shouldn't, it shouldn't be. And we shouldn't have to go to Oakland, California to get it, you know? And it makes so much sense. I'm like, Travis makes sense. <laughs> I'm discovering more and more things about you, which is really special. <laughs> I mean, the, the experience of that camp makes sense. The experience of you at 14 makes sense, you know? And, and yeah, we're friends, but I didn't have the kind of wider context of what mm, was going mm-hmm. on for you at that moment or at that time. And so I think it's I think it's beautiful and it's, you know, I feel privileged to, to be able to have the space to to uncover more of more of that. Peel back the layers, you know? <laughs> and I wanna shout out Mia McKenzie's book, The Summer We Got Free, is she is a beautiful writer, an incredible novelist. So yeah, just if Black or Dangerous exists still in her writing and her novels that she's writing. Yeah, she's incredible. So the next sort of section of the podcast, um, we sort of try and ask people a bit more about uh, growing up more directly. And more so, directly, shit. More directly, yeah. Um, <laughs> I know. Not that we haven't been speaking about it a lot already. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the, what I wanted to ask you was um, if you had any advice for your younger self. Um, in relation yeah. to, to to where you were at 14 in that little snippet? I would say that not everyone deserves to experience you. And that just because someone... God, wow, that just came out. I really mean that now. But you know when something comes out and you're like, okay, damn, that's where we're going. But I think not everyone deserves access to you, even if they want you, you know? Is that sort of in relation more directly to the men that you were with or with your friends? No, my friend's beautiful. Um, I had such, I still have. I'm so lucky that I'm still friends with the people I made friends with. When I first started cycling into town, we're still so close and it's beautiful. I mean more, I don't regret any sexual experiences I had when I was 14 and 15 and 16, but I do look at them and go, wow, if I was this old now, they would have nowhere, they would get nowhere near my body you know mm. and I think it's such a shame and I know this isn't uncommon you know that's what's you know I know it's so interesting when we were doing this I was like oh do I really go with this story it feels so cliche I was like you know what lean into it you don't get to say it that often but unfortunately it's so common that I think so many queer experiences younger are from advantage points and I would say you know it wasn't cons- it was all consensual from my voice and my you know all of that which I'm fortunate for but I think that as a young, you know, at the time I was not, I was femme, but I was enough femme that you could still be desired. I'm mixed race, I'm light skin, queer at that time, read as a gay boy. In 14, the gay scene will really eat you up. And I think I thought that if anyone showed me interest, I had to give them something back because that's how I'd figure out if I was queer, 
you know, it's the queer thing to do because we're not taught about queer sex. So you're like, that's the way I'm going to be queer. And I wish I just knew, baby, they will come and go and they will always be annoyed with you and you you don't need, no, you know, I wish it was like, you don't need to, they don't need to have access for you for your sexuality to be valid, you know. And, and Travis, what do you think that Travis at 14 would think about Travis now? <laughs> They'd say, have some more spliffs, babe. (laughs) 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 They'd say, relax, uh, drop your shoulders. Come on, you love to party. You know, I'm not, I'm I'm building up this party image. I really did peak too soon. No, you know, I still have a good party. They would say, uh, remember, you do enjoy a good spliff every now and again. um, And to do it more often. Because if you hop off the spliff train, when you go back to it, you're going to act like you've just had it for the first time. And then you're like walking about, you know, I had a spliff for the first... Can I say this on this podcast? Who's this, who's this sponsored by? You can say whatever you want. Oh, okay. I'm like, who's this sponsored by? <laughs> Who are we on? But I'm like, um, I had a spliff for the first time in lockdown with my flatmate. And I haven't smoked for like, you know, properly for a long, long, long time. And I was out here walking around the house being like, I've got loads of ideas. Writing, drawing down looking for brownies, being like, I'm hungry. Oh my God, I need to order like 10 chicken wings. And it was 9 p.m. I said, so my 14 year old self would say, if you keep on smoking a bit more regularly, you'll stop acting like a fool when you do it every now and again now, you know? (laughs) And I was literally, but no, I think, I think my 14 year old self would be very surprised, really, truly, incredibly surprised that I am here. I think it would, I hope that, my 14-year-old self, yeah, would just be so surprised and proud. But I think I was more spontaneous back then. And I had a spontaneity at 14 to 18 that I do not have now. And so I think I would also be saying, come on, girl, like, yes, but yes, think about this 100 million times. Yes, you're being careful, yes. But come on, girl, you you know how to just say yes and go for it. So I think... I. I think I'd be surprised at my life that I've built stability and all of this because that is never something I thought I could have. But I think I would also be saying, okay, girl, now you've got it. Shake it up a bit, you know? This is such a challenging time for so many different reasons. I don't even know if challenging is like the right word. It's more than that. Um, but, you know, as as an artist, as a... Um, maker of things as a creator a, a producer a, 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 an author are there any tips that you would give to you know like younger queer creators maybe like how how should they navigate this time in this space how do they make how do you make work I feel like I've been so honest and true and from the heart that I should say my first answer was that came to my head was that like, I don't have a clue um if I'm being real I don't have a clue because I'm just trying, I'm trying so many different things right now to do that. So I'd be lying if I came up with some neat response that sounds nice, because I don't really know. But I would say from, I've ran more workshops in the last three months because of COVID, you know, we're expanding the things we do to pay our rent. And I'm not really like, I love a workshop, but two years ago, I kind of said, I don't want to do as many workshops anymore. And they make me anxious. But you know, COVID comes around and they're offering you the Zoom workshops, you do the Zoom workshops. And I've been doing, I've done four Zoom workshops now with young creatives, even though obviously I'm a young creative, but like creatives just starting out. And one trend I've definitely noticed, and this is in mainly black creatives I've been speaking to, but also queer and trans and in the intersections. So much apologies before they share 
or talk about their work, so many prefaces, so many prelongates before they share anything or say that they want to write something or say they want to do something. And then I did a workshop with a university that was not that demographic, a very different demographic. I think there were three or four double-barreled names in the room. And uh, there was no prefaces. They were ready to, I said, who wants to share? And it was like, I couldn't pick, who could I pick? There were so many to choose from and everyone was bam, bam, bam. And so from that, I reflected on myself and my prefaces and what I do. And I would say, that's the advice I'd give is, let's stop apologizing before we've shared something. Let's stop apologizing before we write something. Let's stop saying sorry before we do something because they ain't saying it. They are not saying it. They are not saying it. They are bold. They are bold. I think that's great. Yeah, when you're busy saying sorry, they've taken the job that you were going to rightfully get. Um, So yeah, yeah. Let's let's not waste time with apologies because nah. So that's why I'd say. No more apologizing 2020. Literally, literally. Fab, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. We we've got some quick fire questions that we do at the end of every episode. Okay, um, let me take a pill. So... Let me take a pill quick. Great. <laughs> <laughs> prep, prep. <laughs> All right, we're good. <laughs> um what what television show are you binging at the moment? Oh my god. Keeping up with the Kardashians. Ah! Cancel. <laughs> no, we all watch it from time to time. Oh, quick fire as well. Yes, keeping up with the Kardashians. I've started with season one. I've never watched it before, and I'm going all the way from the bottom. To oh the my god, you're yeah. doing the thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Next question. Next question. Uh, what food item are you missing the most, or have you missed the most during lockdown? Oh my god, I'm so god. Egg hollandaise with the like, you know, when they do the hollandaise sauce and the salmon and the, oh my God, in the bougie brunch. I'm missing the bougie brunch of the Prosecco. <laughs> ah, my, uh... my, my 14 year old self would be saying, girl, what have you become? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it? Have a spliff and, and put the put the bougie brunch away. Yeah. <laughs> um, what, 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 what's your lockdown anthem been? One tune, big tune. This is really cooling me out by my neck. Do you know what I'm gonna say it with my chest? Cher Lloyd lost. Cher, I what? know, I know, I know, I know. And I could have picked the other songs I've been listening to. I could have picked the more reputable. No, let me say this. My friends are going to gag when they hear this because I've sent every single friend on my WhatsApp this song, like all my Bristol friends. And I was like, you need to listen to this. Cher Lloyd is back. And they were like, Travis, I hate oh you. My God. I'm just going to say I'm coming out. She has killed it with this song. It is a bop. It is a jam. It is a full thing. And it's from Cher Lloyd, Cher Lloyd from X Factor. That's been my lockdown wow. song. That's Call so me okay. out. Grabbing my name. Come you. for me. 2020 I is thought... here. I am out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe it was going to be like a, a something from Little Mix because, you know, Travis is a mixer, everybody. Wow. But, you know, we okay. don't have, we don't, that's for another time. That's for another I, show. I just <laughs> want you all to see that. I've been outed on this program, uh, a platform. <laughs> I can't believe it. You know what? Uh, <laughs> To me, it makes perfect sense from a mixer. I don't know what Cher Lloyd people call their fans, but whatever it is, I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us. It's honestly been such a treat, as always. It's a um, pleasure. A real yeah. nice convo. This has thank been so Travis. fun. <laughs> I'm gagged. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love Travis. I think Travis is, is like a super genuine person, and that, that really came across when they were speaking about... Um, these moments from their past and I could um if not directly relate 
um, I could really feel and like understand uh, parts of what they were talking about in terms of like this idea of confession and um, and like feeling as if like you have to hide hide parts of yourself, but also wanting to tell people about them. And then that that concept of um, of learning shame and how shame is like a learnt thing is a is a really important thing to discuss and I think it's a super valuable lesson that I wish I'd learned earlier um and I don't think was really spoken about when I was growing up I don't know about you Liv but just like this idea that you learn shame and that like the the emotions and the feeling the shame that you you might be feeling as a teenager um can be unlearned as well Mm, yeah I think that was a powerful point and something I could definitely relate to in terms of how I process my own stuff or, or and sexuality and other people's responses to that because yeah until until you move through the world in a certain way you know you're not aware of necessarily people's um negative perceptions or of you and 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 then yeah 14 is fraught with bloody insecurity and like who the hell am I and what should I be doing? And does this person like me? And I'm doing things I shouldn't like there's so, there's so much that is happening at that age. I feel like that's like a really, I don't know for me anyway, that was a really like pivotal age in my life. But yeah, that, that concept of shame, I think such an, such an interesting one and such an important one to explore. And for me anyway, it took so many years to not be, not be bothered by, by people's shame or how they, how they perceive you. And I wish I hadn't wasted so many years with that shame. Um, that teenage shame, that that kind of angst. So yeah, and and I, I also just kind of love to hear about, um, you know, what Travis was like back then, and like and that kind of quite um, pivotal experience of 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 going on that camp and just looking at things in a different way, and 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 having us that 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 time and that space to grow at seventeen, I think is just. I, like I wish I wish yeah I, I but we had we got we got it didn't we we just had it a bit later later um, on yeah, yeah yeah um but I agree having it at that age would have been so valuable I think at that age I was very much still like I went when I was 17 I went away for like four weeks with like a bunch of white kids and like had to have like awkward conversations about race in that context it wasn't like a healing space um mm. so yeah I so I think did you say that you were a bit jealous that they managed to, to yeah yeah hell yeah I mean I would have I would have loved to be involved but yeah it was great and yeah we hope that you guys have enjoyed listening and we appreciate you for listening to us so far chatting yeah. to some of our our favorite people it's been such a joy um and we would really appreciate if you're able to you know like subscribe review that that really helps things as well and yeah thank you Thank you. This has been an II Studios production. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and that you'll tune into the next one. You can find Growing Up With Galdem on Apple Podcasts, the Acast app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review, rate us and subscribe. It really helps the show. And if you'd like to find out more about Galdem, you can head over to our Instagram page at Galdemzine. That's G-A-L. D-E-M-Z-I-N-E. Or you can visit our website, which is G-A-L hyphen, which is important, D-E-M dot com.
Galdem has a book which is out now. It's called I Will Not Be Erased, Our Stories About Growing Up as People of Colour. You can find it in all good bookstores or online. Thank you so much for listening. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.